Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, actually, in some parts of the country. Um, welcome to today's broadcast. Uh, we're very excited to um, bring a doctor by the name of Dr. Richard Neal um, with us today to share some little known information about a very interesting product that's on the market. Um, it's melatonin, as you saw in the broadcast uh, graphic. And um, Dr. Neal has been researching this for quite some time. Um, he's retired Air Force and uh, was his last field of study while he was active was studying countermeasures to bioweapons. So this is a very interesting uh, conversation and very interesting information that all people should know, that we feel all people should know, especially in the light of times, what's going on right now. Anyway, um, so I'm going to introduce Dr. Neil to you, and he can tell you more about his work and um, and what he's been doing since leaving the Air Force and what that was all about. Dr. Neil, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me today. You're, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, real quick, again, I'm Dr. Richard Neal. I'm a former Air Force physician, retired as a colonel. Uh, I'm board certified in aerospace medicine, uh, medical school here in Texas, and I also have a master's degree in public health from Harvard. Uh, my last assignment in the Air Force was working for the Pentagon. Part of those duties included searching for countermeasures for chemical, biological, and radiological weapons. During that time, I discovered that melatonin is just this amazing molecule. It actually worked for all three. But 20 years ago, I decided if we were ever hit with a bioweapon, that I would use melatonin on the troops, uh, as well as uh, any dirty bombs or anything else. But uh, when this virus came along, it was close enough to a bioweapon for me that I decided to use melatonin. And uh, in the very first patient I've used it on, they've done wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, what is um? Can you define for people what a uh, what those different types of weapons would encompass a little bit? Well, the biological weapons, of course, entail. At the time, I was mostly looking for something for anthrax. It was back in the time when there was the uh, anthrax was being spread around. So, melatonin, it turns out, is a really strong antioxidant, a really strong antitoxin, and a really strong immune modulator. And I will you know, put this up front that melatonin is a stronger uh, immune modulator than hydroxychloroquine. It's actually more effective than ivermectin. And uh, if uh, we get some of the slides and such, I can show you some of the- I, I got it fixed up, so- We were information on that. And uh, uh, for uh, people in general, uh, this is getting, I would say, a lot more attention just recently in, in light of some studies that uh, to show you. So, uh, we can go to the, to the next slide. I kind of want to skip around in these a little bit. We, this is some of what I've uh, already said, so you can skip to the next one there. Is it Sorry. Ah. You're messing with it too. Stop messing with Sorry. it. I had it working. <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> okay, you are, you do your thing because you're better at this, and I'll hands off. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes, dear. 
<laughs> well, you're doing great. But anyway. There's a way to make that bigger so that it can take up most of the screen, just so you know. Do you want me to do it? Do you want to do it? No, you do it. You oh, me do it. Okay. So, you do it. So this one. So one thing you might not know about us is we're just super authentic. Um, and we don't play like CNN or any of that with everything scripted. So we're just as authentic and raw as you could be. <laughs> no, and I, I, you know, I really don't. You know, I stand there and talk to patients all day long about this. Uh, please, any, feel free to interrupt me at any time. Ask any questions you have. You have any, more than okay. answer about that. So we can get to the next slide. Yes, sir. Um, so just a few things about melatonin uh, what these would say is uh, I'm sorry this was a little bit more aimed at a medical audience but melatonin is an amazing molecule one of the most misunderstood molecules probably in medicine at this point and it is impossible to overdose a mammal on melatonin melatonin wow, that's great. melatonin is the only hormone in the body that doesn't have what's called a feedback inhibition meaning that if you have any other hormone and it starts to get too high your body automatically amps down production uh, melatonin doesn't have that because your body does not care it can't hurt you with more melatonin if you take all the melatonin you want it's not going to suppress your natural melatonin and that uh, and a lot of even the physicians out there don't know that. I think that people think of melatonin is natural melatonin is not. And so uh, the other thing, everybody's got melatonin in them, so it's already been tested against every drug known to man. You can mix it with anything. You can take it with ivermectin. You can take it with hydroxychloroquine. You can take it with any of the antibiotics. Basically, there are no no contraindications of it with any other medication. And of course, it's a uh, over-the-counter and cheap compared to all the other treatments uh, out there. So, um, let's so, so I have a testimony because when I when I was feeling ill um, and uh, recuperating, uh, you know, you feel like a little aggravation in your windpipe. And then I was reading. So what else do you do when you're in bed recovering, right? You research and you're, well, at least I do. I research and read and um, came across, you know, high dose melatonin, your information. And when I took it within one hour, it, I, my, my chest was completely relieved. It was pretty amazing. So. Yeah. And there are just in the last uh, week or two, I've seen more studies on melatonin in the, in the uh, long haulers and such, and how it helps uh, the brain and everything else. So it, it, there, there really is more, it's only been two years, but there are more studies finally coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, when I when I first, when, when this virus first hit Italy, and I kind of knew it was all over at that point, once it hit up Milan, it was gonna go everywhere. And, uh, I started uh, looking for and looked at melatonin for years. So I started doing looking for any more recent studies on melatonin. There really weren't that many out there. There are plenty of studies on melatonin. And what's really amazing about 
The only time it was recommended back for the original stars and MERS, they're used it with Ebola, they use it with any of the viral illnesses, mm -hmm. or even RSV, the Venezuelan equine encephalitis, uh, West Nile virus, uh, Zika. You can use it with anything. Melatonin is not, not uh, um, limited to, to COVID. It is good for all viruses and it's good for bacteria. Uh, this particular article I referenced here uh, from 2011, amazingly, uh, and I don't know why, but they decided to give patients that were having liver resections 50 milligrams per kilogram as a single dose before the operation. So, and on the size of the person, we're talking doses of, of uh, 3,000, 4,000 milligrams as a single dose before they have major surgery. And in fact, it turned out the patients that had the melatonin did better post-operatively than the, than the patients that didn't have the melatonin. That's how safe melatonin is. And so many people are so scared to take you know, more than five or 10 milligrams for maize. So how much do you naturally make? Like, how much would a healthy person naturally make at night? That's actually a good question. You know, I, I don't think anybody really knows how much melatonin is made in a person. And for years, they thought melatonin was only made by the pineal gland in the brain. And it turns out that melatonin is actually made like every cell in the body. And um, uh, certainly it's another one of those hormones that decreases as you mature in life. So, Younger people make a lot more melatonin, older people have less melatonin. Hmm. Another reason why this virus wreaks such havoc on the elderly population. Uh, the elderly people I've given melatonin to have done really, really well. In fact, I don't think uh, lost a single nursing home patient who took melatonin and had COVID. So, Doesn't matter what time of day they take it. Like you recommend they take it at night or during like break it up during the day? Right. I recommend and somewhere down here we'll get to actual dosing. Okay. Sounds good. But I recommend that people, a lot of the research will say just take one big dose at night and that's fine. Help maintain that circadian rhythm. But melatonin has actually got a relatively short half-life. And I've found in practice that it's better to spread it out during the day and then take a bigger dose. I tell people to take the bigger dose at night because uh, one more while they're sleeping. Another, uh, way back when, one of the first studies that caught my eye on, on melatonin when I was uh, looking for something, uh, and this is well over 20 years ago, there was a study with septic infants. Now, we're talking little bitty babies that are super sick. If they're septic, I mean, yeah. they you know, bacteria in their bloodstream and their organs are shutting down and they're, they're uh, at a real high mortality rate. So in Italy, they did a study where they gave these little babies, probably five pounds, and gave them 10 milligrams of melatonin IV twice a day. So these tiny babies are getting uh, 20 milligrams of melatonin IV a day. Every baby they gave the melatonin to lived. Uh, oh, wow. 70% of the babies that didn't get the melatonin died. 
And that's how powerful melatonin is. Why every septic baby doesn't get melatonin at this point. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it kind of boggles my mind what, what hasn't happened. That study has been repeated three times, or two times, once in Egypt, once in uh, or whatever. But, uh, the, the information well, every lucky baby that's around you gets one, I'm sure. I'm sorry? Every lucky baby that's around you when they get sick gets help, I'm sure. Well, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, I've treated a lot of babies and, and it's really safe. Yeah. So, um, can we skip to the next slide there? All right, so I already, already touched on this and they, they still use it for Ebola. It's, it's recommended throughout the literature to use it in sepsis and all that. Why would it work against uh, the Marburg? If that ends up yeah. being a thing the, here, the nice thing about what I say melatonin is that it's an equal opportunity help for it. It doesn't. You're not limited to one virus or bacteria. It helps to get They're the king of, of helping you fight these serious uh, reactions from all these viruses and the bacteria as well. So, do you feel like it would be? Um uh, uh, um, effective then, apparently, if you've got Ebola on there for hemorrhagic type. Yes, they use it. Okay. It's still being used. It's fantastic. It's fantastic news for a lot of people. Yeah. And again, why, when it was recommended for the original SARS and MERS, and the, the silly thing here is actually, you know, President Trump was given melatonin. And oh. That that's the word that's going to get us banned. <laughs> if you actually look at the cocktail that was used, it included melatonin, and um, uh, why everybody talks about everything else that was given, but not that. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, it's it's been interesting to see how, like, what you found in your research. <clears throat> drives up with what other people found in their research with SARS and MERS. And then all of that research seems to be what's targeted as what gets people censored and banned. And it seems to be, we're not supposed to know how to heal from this, Yeah, which has been very interesting to watch. Yeah. Yes. I've been, you know, even when, even when it broke out in Italy, I tried to, I spoke to an American doctor that somebody knew in Italy and tried to get them to use melatonin from the start and, and pretty much fell on deaf ears. But, yeah. Uh, nobody that, could believe like, that Not as much as you, but. Over the counter could be so strong. And actually, well, can you, can you say that again? It skipped, skipped a little. The, the strange thing in all this is that no one, can believe that melatonin, which is available over the counter, actually has all these amazing properties. And trying to get over that, uh, uh, the stigma. Really yeah, but anyway, trying to get over that uh, block that uh, that something over the counter can actually work so well. Yeah, I think everybody is so yeah. um, convinced that if they are sick to the point of concern, that the only answer is going to come from a doctor's office in the pharmacy. Um, that is a big uh, problem. Uh, we can talk about medicine later. 
Yeah. It's a long subject. Yes, it is. So how long, what's, how many years have you been studying um, this molecule, just to let our audience know that you're not, this isn't something you found out about yesterday. This has been quite okay. a long time in your life. I'm not, per se, a, a researcher. The real backstory on this is way back when I was in medical school, I had a dashing young professor who gave us this lecture on melatonin. And uh, uh, luckily, it was one of those, he was so good, I actually didn't fall asleep in that lecture and remembered what he had to say. And so 20 years later, when I'm in the military and I'm looking for something for countermeasures, uh, I actually called him up and said, Hey, I'm thinking melatonin would be a great molecule for this, this, and this. And he said, Oh, I absolutely agree. And he actually came out and gave a lecture to the group I was with. And, uh, um, and we did more research, reviewing the literature and all that. And that's when I decided, wow, melatonin is a you know, great molecule that I'm going to use for the groups that the, uh, but, um, then you know, what, what? forward another 20 years. And that's when this came out and I actually called up my professor again. He was still there. And so, uh, said, Hey, I want to use melatonin. This looks like a bioweapon to me. Like, uh, you know, do you think I could use melatonin? He says, oh, by all means. I said, agree, that would be good. I did. I've used it now in, you know, well over 5,000 patients, maybe 10,000. Wow. And, uh, including myself and my 94-year-old mother. That's fantastic. And um, all with success, or was is there a percentage where it was not successful? And is there a reason why you think that might be? Yeah, and that's the really uh, amazing. I only know of two people who passed away and took the melatonin. Uh, one of them uh, who actually, I'm not sure he took the melatonin. I don't think he did. He said uh, he didn't like the, the dreams that he had with it. And so uh, uh, so I, I count him in there as a, as a failure. But I, don't know. I had another young patient who, who passed away who I think he threw a clock. I don't think it seemed like he was doing better and doing fine. And then suddenly collapsed and died. To me, I don't, you know, I don't have autopsies. I don't know mm -hmm. what really happened. Uh, but believe it or not, those are the only two. Uh, that I know of who actually started melatonin. Who, who uh, yeah, and that's the hard part. You don't know if they're sticking to it, skipping a few days, or inconsistent, or yeah. So, but again, compared to everything else out there on the market, uh, I don't think anything else can uh, can compare to that. So, yeah, that's pretty good numbers there for sure. And what types of what types? I'm sorry. So there may be others out there I don't know about, but but I'm not hearing any negative. Uh, uh, well, I heard Doctor um, M A L O N E. Not that we already haven't put enough words in the algorithm, but talk <laughs> about talk about um, what's known over the counter as Pepsid, and in, in his broadcast with <clears throat> Mr. Rogan. And I forget, he began with a T, the technical term for it, but um, 
you know, apparently that's another one that is low on the radar. Yeah, the uh, uh, generic for that is amodidine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, I actually had a physician who said that uh, he had a hundred percent success rate with Celebrex and amodidine. Mm. I'm really interesting, and I haven't. I don't know how many patients he's treated, but in my uh, in my uh, practice, when I had when I had COVID, I only took melatonin, vitamin D3, and Tylenol, and I took 140 milligrams the first day, and I was literally better the next day. And so, my so I put my money where my mouth was and, and just do that. But in reality, my practice for, for patients is uh, I have a little protocol for things and try to really individualize that with each patient as best I can, but it includes melatonin, vitamin D3, vitamin C if they tolerate it, and everybody does. Uh, the motadine, we'll a baby aspirin a day, uh, the zinc and the quercetin, um, uh, CoQ10 and N-acetylcysteine or NAC. Um, I love that all the you use okay. is well, those, You know, there's nothing wrong with throwing the kitchen sink at the time. No. And, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, there's a, there's a little delay, I think. That's all. Is there? Okay. Yeah. No, I was just saying that I love that everything that you're using is easy to get for people and that it's it's it takes the fear factor away from people if they know that they can just you know run to Walmart and pick up most of what you know you're recommending. That's awesome. Yeah, all of those are over the counter. Now there's a subset of people, primarily people that have had a history of asthma. And I don't care if you're 80 years old and you had asthma when you were two years old, you better start treating them like they're having an asthma attack. It causes the bronchoconstriction and does it pretty fast. Those people. I'll go ahead and hit with the, with the Z-Pack, uh, probably an albuterol inhaler. And there's something a little squirrely about starting the steroids early. So kind of yeah. try that, that first. But uh, a lot of those people have a lot of bronchospasm right away. But, uh, steroids no. are sort of, and there are you know, a lot of different steroids out there, and, and it matters too. So. Is there a um, natural form of azithromycin? I've heard from people that it's um, high levels of zinc would also accomplish what you would get from azithromycin, but I haven't been able to confirm that. Yeah, again, like no time. Looking for the studies that sort of confirm certain things. Up until the time of this virus, Breakout, I did not. I'd always considered zinc sort of nebulous science, even though it was sort of good or bad things. Uh, I didn't see anywhere where it was really proven to, to do this, but this started as like everybody immediately started to, you know, zinc worked great. And uh, I, I haven't seen much real evidence, but okay, in my practice, I really haven't. I haven't seen it. They're taking the melatonin. Uh, just like vitamin C. I don't see any real difference in outcomes if they're taking the zinc and the 
and the uh, tercetin or vitamin C if they're taking the high dose more. Okay. Great. Okay. You ready so, for the next slide? Oh, there it doesn't hurt. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So these are just some other uh, facts about melatonin. What I just mentioned about the, I've already talked about the, it's made everywhere, not just the pineal gland. Um, again, melatonin is a 10 times stronger antioxidant than vitamin C, and that's why I found it's fine if you want to take the vitamin C. And early reports I was getting back when this was just in China was that IV vitamin C was one thing that was helping their patients. So vitamin C is a strong antioxidant. It does, does help. Um, that a lot of people it upsets their stomach. Some people are, you know, upset your stomach. You get the vitamin C, just take the melatonin. So in reality, I haven't seen any difference in outcome in the people that were taking the melatonin versus the mel melatonin plus the vitamin C. Okay. But it's all well, it, When I took um, oh. the high doses that you recommended when I started coming under the weather, I got a really bad headache. Um, is that normal or what do you do to counter that? Or do you change the dose? Yeah. So, you know, staying hydrated and Tylenol. But now that said, there was actually, a, uh, just in the last couple of days, physician sent me a, a paper that was a study on in high dose melatonin, and they did a big review of the literature and looked for side effects on high dose melatonin. Um, three things, which is, of course, drowsiness, and some people had vivid dreams with it, and then some people reported headaches. Um, a lot, a lot of people have headaches with the virus. I know it's hard to discern. If, yeah, you know, it's hard to say that it came from that or from whatever I was fighting off. So. And additives could agitate you too. Some of these fillers that they use. Absolutely, and that, in my biggest fear, we we uh, discussed a little bit that about before the show. Uh, the quality control of, of melatonin is is very important, and getting the right brand of melatonin is actually really important. We'll touch on that in a minute. Just to get through some of these, though, the. the Melatonin being a radioprotective agent, uh, radiation kills people by basically breaking up their DNA. That's one of the things that breaks the DNA strands and cells die. And um, amazingly, melatonin gets in there and protects that DNA. And that's not just from, you know, nuclear weapons and such. It's actually the radiation you get every day. That it protects you against. So you have a lot of melatonin in the retina of your eye because you get a lot of ultraviolet radiation through your through your cornea into your on your retinas every day. And so they've actually got a lot of melatonin in your retina to help protect that from that damage. It's one of the few things that actually gets into the nucleus of the cell and protects it. So, so if so if nothing else with all of the Wi-Fi and the electromagnetic, you know, radiation that's zooming around, people should be taking it. What What would you recommend as, I find this to be one of the most fascinating and my favorite um, 
benefits to this molecule, honestly. What, what would you recommend? You know, is that a high dose thing also? Because, which we haven't talked about, the smaller doses tend to put you to sleep, but the larger doses don't. So, it's a very interesting phenomenon. Uh, I usually take 10 milligrams before I fly because you're getting increased radiation. Extra 10 milligrams just because it's simple before I get a even a chest X-ray or a CT scan. I know I'm going to get some radiation. I just I take an extra 10 milligrams. 10 milligrams. Small amounts of melatonin do go a long way. So, but that's okay. another thing that needs to be studied is, is really the dosage. I mean, these dosages that I use are my own dosages that and just what I. Decided on from the literature and what's easier to take. So, uh, um, the sort of next to last bullet there is again what all melatonin does. Uh, melatonin, very importantly, is very anti cancer and anti metastasis. If you actually Google, you know, Google, but I would use a different search engine, but actually. Search for stuff on the internet. You'll search for anything with melatonin. It's like there's some some paper out there somewhere that. that, that I know uh, Dr. Schallenberger who uh, uses really high levels. You know, two to three hundred milligrams of melatonin three or four times a day for for stage four cancer patients. Wow. Apparently, a lot of success. I have a couple of dumb questions. Um, so you said that there's a lot of melatonin in your retina and um, I'm assuming your skin as well. Is, is melanin associated with melatonin? No. Okay. No, that, that's the, the real misnomer about melatonin, period. Melatonin, the reason it's called melatonin, it was originally isolated from melanin glands or melanin cells. And so they thought it had something to do with the melatonin. melanin. And they named it melatonin, but it, it really doesn't. Okay. In uh, Dr. Ryder, who I was probably the world's expert on melatonin, has been studying melatonin since 1958 when it was first isolated. And uh, originally, uh, they were looking at it to see if that was the secret to hibernation, and they were trying to trying to give people really high doses to see if they'd go into hibernation for space travel and, and military applications and all that. Well, that's interesting. Did it ever work? <laughs> no. You you said that high doses keep you awake, so probably not. But you might you might be able to surpass that and go to uber high doses like two thousand. <laughs> Ludicrous speed, go. Everybody's a little different. Spell Dr. Ryder's name for me. I'm gonna pop it up in the comments so those who watch it later can do their research if they'd like. Absolutely. Now, one of the really interesting thing, if you're going to study melatonin, you really need to look at bats. And uh, bats, because they only travel at night, they actually have really high levels of melatonin. They're also very resistant to viruses. You know, bats don't really die from viruses. And they have really high melatonin levels. So it's interesting that they were actually you know, studying this as a, quote, bat virus. And so, uh, one of the things I really find interesting about bats is that as a, as a mammal for their size, you know, most 
mice and rats that are about the size of bats. They only live uh, uh, two to three years at the most. Uh, bats, if you don't beat them to death with a stick or a broom or something, they'll live 40 years. So that due to the high melatonin levels or something else in there about the bats, but I have a suspicion that it's, that, that's another clue about the melatonin. That's interesting. So is melatonin um, responsible for why you heal so rapidly when you sleep versus when you're awake? It is. It is involved in that, yes. Okay. And All so right. The reason to take more melatonin as you mature in life, it is anti-aging. Awesome. It's anti-Alzheimer's. In fact, something I need to look into that anybody that wants to look into, they, there actually was a study that I came across a while back that melatonin coupled with something like Wellbutrin or something actually reversed a lot of, uh, of dementia. And coupled with what? I think Wellbutrin, I think was Wellbutrin. the other. And what is Wellbutrin? Wellbutrin is another sort of... Uh, Antidepressant medicine. So it's a pharmaceutical. Well, to, to okay. uh, stop smoking. Don't call me too. I think it was that one. But I'd, I'd really need to go back to the study. But here they found this thing, but nobody would study it because both of the ingredients were so cheap that nobody could make any money off of it. And they didn't pursue the, the research. And that was just sort of an incidental finding that they found. <laughs> and, uh, but I need to go back and, in my never any, of course, spare time, I can go back and look, search for that study again, because that's something I really want to look at uh, for, for other reasons there. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, so actually, uh, here you put up the, the clinical studies. Um, and there is actually a lot of this in the news lately from. Uh, several people, these are relatively recent studies, even though this study from Iraq of all places is just now kind of getting pressed, it came out in October. And this was a really, everybody's been looking for real studies on this. This was a study, they had hundreds of patients and they only gave them 10 milligrams a day of the melatonin. And it decreased the mortality rate of their patients by 93%. Wow. Um, and in addition, they had way less thrombosis, all of those. If they had treated them with higher doses, I'm sure they would come out with even better results. But this was the, like the first real double-blind study that somebody's uh, come up with out there. Um, and I think it's really significant, and a lot of people have suddenly been talking about this, and so this is actually getting more more uh, uh, press and not melatonin that I've seen in the last uh, week or two, mm. uh, in the last few years. And, uh, the other really interesting study that came out around the same time actually looked at a retro, it was actually a retrospective study where they looked at melatonin, severe vitamin D3, meditation, and uh, uh, which is another 
arthritis medicine, sort of along the lines of hydroxychloroquine, has been used in some studies and shown to be helpful. So when they the inflammatory marker uh, and melatonin, vitamin D3, and meditation were considered the adjunctive treatment, the inflammatory markers decreased by 68.4%. You know, when you look at remdesivir and the other one, they only reduced by 26%. And remdesivir is actually the worst of them. Yeah, it seems like um, melatonin is our own body's lysosomotropic agent to be able to do what all these other things are trying to do. Correct. Hmm. And where was that comparative study? Was that also in Iraq or in the USA? Oh, this was in the U.S. This is a U.S. Study. Okay. Um, I can try to find out. Citations, I have the studies on my computer. Um, but if you just Google up, you know, melatonin in Iraq, you'll come up with a variety study. If you, if you Google up melatonin and remdesivir study, you'll probably come up with uh, with this other study. That, that was really amazing. That it, <coughs> the actual take-home message from this that surprised me the most was how much meditation actually lowered inflammatory markers. That was... That's pretty cool. Really impressive to me. I, I was I was really surprised, but that's really important. Um, the other thing too is uh, that we haven't really touched on is, is vitamin D three. And I realize you know, we're mostly talking about melatonin, but uh, vitamin D three is probably as important as the melatonin initially. Meaning that a lot of large studies have shown if you want to take something to help you out. Preventative. Make sure your vitamin D3 levels or your vitamin D levels are really high. People that have the highest vitamin D levels have the fewest symptoms and the easiest course if they get COVID. And so uh, I'd like to make a case that vitamin D3 is really important. If you're going to take really high levels of vitamin D3, you should take some magnesium and vitamin K2 with it. So what is a what's considered a really high level? Uh, over 60. There have been several studies show people with vitamin D levels above 50 live years longer than people with vitamin D levels below 50. Vitamin D, um, vitamin D is a really important thing. And in fact, melatonin and vitamin D share receptors on the cell. We're having trouble hearing you, doctor. I said vitamin D and melatonin share some receptors on cells. Uh, and so they, they, they do work in some type of synchrony naturally. They're both very anti-cancer. Vitamin D3 is, is very anti-cancer. People who have high vitamin D levels have fewer upper respiratory uh, illnesses on the whole as well. But you want to, like I say, keep your vitamin D level uh, between 60 and 100. So how, how, do you, how do you measure that? You have to go to a doctor? A, yeah, that one's a simple blood test. Okay. And everybody should have that measured about once a year to see where you are. Particularly cancer patients. It's extremely important. I'm amazed every time I get a cancer patient, they don't know what their vitamin D level is. That, that's just a fundamental. Yeah. A lot of the OB-GYN doctors have started measuring vitamin D levels every year in women because there was a study out a couple of years ago that showed 94% of women with recurrent breast cancer were low in vitamin D. And if you really look at the increasing incidence in breast cancer in women, it, 
it, it's directly inversely proportional to the average decrease in vitamin D levels in people. And I really think that that's related to the increase in sunscreen. If we start telling everyone to wear uh, sunscreen and stay out of the sun to prevent skin cancer, well, that's kind of promoted a lot of other cancers. Yes. Yeah. Now, so, can you get, sorry, can you get those levels of um, vitamin D by sun exposure or is this something that we have to supplement year-round um luckily it only takes about four minutes of laying out in the sun uh in a bathing suit to get about a thousand units of vitamin D. and uh, you, know, you don't want to burn but it doesn't take long being out in the sunlight actually to get fair amounts of vitamin d so if you did you know eight minutes on each side Every day you get about four thousand units of vitamin D, which is a, which is great. That's, awesome. that's my understanding of what I remember. But they also time of year makes a difference too. That's summertime kind of right exposures. Vitamin D is fat soluble. It stays in your your body. It's stored in your body. It's one of the few vitamins. You know, A, D, E, and K are fat soluble vitamins. That also means you can overdose on them. You can overdose on vitamin D. It takes about 77,000, I think, units a day to actually overdose on it. Okay. So the safe recommendation is like 10,000 IU a day, right? Five to 10,000. Yeah, five to 10,000. 10,000 a day. And but, there's there's some people out there saying that you can't get vitamin D from the sun. Now, I grew up learning that's where you got your vitamin D. So this is an interesting shift or misleading statement. Um, yeah. And there's I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, I've heard two or three people saying it, and they're saying, and you can't get it from the sun. People on podcasts and uh, doctors, I'm not going to name names, but um, I was always taught you can get it from the sun. So that was very interesting. It's been documented forever. Like vitamin D in your milk is from the cows being in the sun, and that they would used to sell it in cartons so it didn't dissipate the vitamin D from the UV rays. That's what yeah. I grew up learning. One thing all of this is pointing out is the, uh, again, the, the fallacies of, of medicine even today. And I can get into a little bit of medicine. One reason I became a doctor is because I really didn't trust doctors and I wanted to know for myself. <laughs> but, that sounds like the only reason I would go into it now. <laughs> but one, one thing that impressed me in medical school that, that to this day is that how much we didn't know, not how much we didn't know. You know. Like every disease they're presenting up there, like the uh, standard statement as well, and 50%, we don't know what what really causes it. You know? And it's just, there is so much still to be learned. There is so much, you know, when you even look at studies, there are good studies and there are really bad studies. I mean, there are a lot of bad studies out there and that's why you get so many totally opposite results. You gotta look at who's funding that study is really important. And then uh, really know how to look at all the confounding factors in a study. You can, you know, um, I remember one of my class when they were talking about statistics, and they say, well, you know, people use statistics much like a drunk uses a lamppost, you know, much more for uh, support and illumination. But, you know, yeah, that's always stuck with me. Yeah, my husband took a, a master's level statistics class. And at the end of it, I was like, oh, how'd your class go? And he goes, yeah, I learned how to lie. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
surprised oh. them statistic. Interesting. Okay, so I put the next slide up, uh, continuing on the clinical studies. All right, so these were actually some early studies way back when. A uh, little bit of uh, publicity, but but rapidly uh, sort of relegated to another. One of these was uh, in Manila, right off the bat, they gave patients uh, uh, still really low dose, 36, 72 milligrams a day, and found that everybody they gave melatonin to, not a single patient needed to be intubated, and they also were discharged. Uh, significantly sooner, got better faster than the, than the other patients. Um, there were supposed to be some follow-up studies for that. There's been some, there's always funding issues and such, but that was just a pilot study that showed some great results. There was another study in, in Tehran, of all places, and they gave really low dose, three milligrams, three times a day, but, but had really significant improvements. Hmm. And that's why even even small amounts are helpful and it just uh, <coughs> um, just more studies need to be done there, there are some going on out there we'll, we'll see so, uh, yeah it's just, such great news i mean these are uh, uh, simple simple solutions yeah. for complex problems yeah really all along i've wanted this to be about melatonin not me and melatonin should be used for so many other things. And I really hope that at the end of the day, COVID's going to come and go. But hopefully it'll, it'll get enough attention that people are willing to use it for so many other things that it really should be used for. It, it, it's really sad to a certain extent that it's out there as a, as a sleep aid. That yeah. Melatonin is not a sleeping pill. Melatonin yeah. is a great sleeping pill, there would not be a problem with insomnia. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Melatonin only puts things in motion in your body to tell it to go to sleep. That's not actually put it to sleep. And uh, I think I've got another slide here. There's a very brave uh, reporter there at the Divine News who's actually been uh, one of my patients who's been writing stories uh, to uh, Look at Divine News, you'll find a lot of studies, stories from patients and stuff. And some very good articles actually on melatonin. I've, I've been impressed with, it, with her, her covers there. And those those stories have actually been read on every country in the world now. So the, the world, the, the, for a little small town newspaper, it, it, it's really, uh, pretty amazing. And I already mentioned that it's part of the, part of the uh, right there. So. I'm sorry, there is actual dosing. Um, and for just to make it easy for most patients, usually I use a milligram per kilogram per day. You can figure it out, you know, a milligram for every two pounds, roughly. But for, for the average person, 20 milligrams three times a day and 40 milligrams a night is really well. Uh, I've had people take actually more than 300 milligrams a day. In fact, Dr. Castillo in the Philippines uh, told me when he took melatonin, when he had COVID, that he took over 300 milligrams. The children are a whole another issue. Um, 
the interesting thing about over 99.99% of them, if we didn't know there was COVID in the world, they would have a little fever and congestion for a day or two. And you would think, well, just another virus and they're all better like every other little virus that yet. Yeah. They do fine. If any children with COVID uh, have fevers for more than three days, that really indicates they got some secondary infection. And so they really need to get evaluated and find out what they, what else is going on. Because I've had children, I mean, just because you get COVID doesn't mean you can't get anything else. I've had children with COVID and flu, COVID and RSV, COVID and strep, COVID and ear infection. Mm-hmm. Like we see multiple things with uh, uh, flu every year. We get, I've actually had, had COVID, uh, we've had flu, strep, and mono all at the same time. You know? Ooh. Every oh. year, you know, a certain number of that flu and strep. It's the same thing. We're, we're losing. We're losing audio on you. I'm sorry. Oh, That's we, better. We, we were losing audio. Closer on to the mic. Yeah. Uh, sorry. That's okay. Beautiful. So, so yeah. So anyway, the take-home message is that yes, they can get more than one thing. And I really think that unless there are significant other comorbidities, that there aren't any children wind up in the hospital unless they have some other. Secondary infection as well, mm-hmm. and the really other surprising things is I've treated them probably as young as four months, and even even newborns, even another newborns that are needed any, uh, but one or two doses of the melatonin, and usually melatonin is amazing for actually a lot of mothers have told me, gosh, I gave them the melatonin and the fever went away faster than it does with the Tylenol. And so I'm going to take one dose, you know, say a milligram, two milligrams, take another milligram, two milligrams, four hours later and never have any more symptoms. I've been amazed at how fast they seem to recover with this. Yeah. Like I said, it worked fast for me. Yeah, that's really cool because a lot of moms, um, including myself, are worried about giving their children Tylenol because of the liver. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, distance between the therapeutic dose of Tylenol and the uh, toxic dose of Tylenol, very, very small. And that's what I, a lot of times, tell patients too, that melatonin is actually a lot safer as an over-the-counter drug than Tylenol. And yet nobody has any qualms about giving people Tylenol. Yeah, well, they don't. And... And I do know that um, just for those out there who are going, yes, I did that with Tylenol or you've, but um, N-acetylcysteine, right? Doctor, correct me if I'm wrong, is what they use in the hospital to treat Tylenol overdose. So it's that all the time. Yeah. So it's good to take overdose on Tylenol as a suicide gesture, thinking that, oh, it's just Tylenol. It's not really going to hurt me, but I'm going to take this handful of pills and, uh, and it turns out Tylenol is extremely toxic on the liver. Yeah. And, and that's what we use to save these patients is the N-acetylcysteine. Yeah. Acetylcysteine is really good for livers, lungs, hearts, brains. I use, for talking about the long haulers, I generally use the CoQ10, the NAC, and, and then just lower doses of melatonin in between those people that seem to be having trouble getting over this virus. And actually, I found that if people will start melatonin as soon as they get the virus, 
don't think any of those have ever had any long haul business. Most of the people get better really fast, just like I did, just like my night or mother did. That's great. Um, That's so good. Such good news. I think I might, I might, I might take our video down within 24 hours, just so they don't um, kick us down. So don't be insulted, but at least I have it on other channels that they will not kick it off of. But just so you know, because people need to hear it, so we need to talk about it. You know, um, yeah. end of story. Dancing around and trying to get through a broadcast is difficult, so we just need to talk about it. So yeah, we'll have it on um, on the other platforms to share the video. Yeah, it's on Cloud Cloud Hub. Um, um, Facebook is still up, so from the last one, even though it got taken off of here. So, but anyway, I just wanted to let you know because apparently it's really it's offensive and not okay to talk about healing these days, <laughs> especially if it doesn't cost a lot. <laughs> so, so real quick. Uh, I think melatonin actually does have some uh, uh, prophylaxis properties there. There was a Cleveland study that showed if people just took 10 or 20 milligrams of melatonin on a regular basis, that they had a 28 to 50% decreased chance of getting uh, COVID to begin with. Or anything, I would imagine, right? The, the flu or anything. Right. So we, we already spoke about the vitamin D. Uh, interestingly, uh, of course, you have a lot of people who get melatonin or get COVID, and they're caring for either an elderly parent or they've got another spouse, they've got kids in the house. I've had a lot of people uh, start on the melatonin and take 10 to 40 milligrams at night for the other household members, and they've never gotten symptoms or come up with uh, COVID so that it works as uh, that uh, the, the biggest uh, sort of case of that was I had a farmer south of here who had uh, 60 migrant workers in a big bunkhouse eight of them came up positive with COVID over the course of about two days we started them on 100 milligrams of melatonin every day better. we treated the other 52 guys in the bunkhouse with 40 milligrams of melatonin every night. And literally it's a small bunkhouse and they're, they're all living on top of each other. So I know not well that they were all exposed, but not a single one of the other workers ever complained of, of getting COVID. And they all continued working, which made, of course, the farmer really happy. But, but out of those, not a single one ever came up with that. With Fantastic. And that was, my first door experience with that large scale really exposed that. That's uh, awesome. Group. So, um, do you have a slide for this, or should we just talk about um, which brands you recommend? Uh, I think this, this little slide here is uh, Dr. Hansler. Dr. Hansler was, he's got to be 96 or 97 now. Dr. Hansler used to work for GE for 50 years in their light department, but he sent me a copy of this little book um, early on uh, when I started talking about melatonin. Somehow he got word of it and sent me his book. And uh, Dr. Hansler was actually uh, uh, 
B-17 navigator in World War II was shot down somewhere over Europe and escaped. That's a whole other story in itself. But amazingly, he knows more about melatonin and is more, more in tune with the melatonin and, and it's a possible role in COVID than 99% of the doctors out there, which I, I've always been impressed with his, uh, his, his take on it. And it's a great little book that you can actually get off of Amazon. But, but, uh, he wrote back at the start of this. Very cool. Is, is there a digital version at his website, lowbluelights.com? I don't think so. But it's okay. Oh, do the blue light glasses work or do anything, or is that a scam? No, they, they work very well. Awesome. In fact, uh, that's a really interesting thing, and it has to do with your, your retina. When they're exposed to blue lights, they actually send signals to your, your brain to stop the melatonin it, it, and, and degrade it even. So it's, it's why so many people that are on their computer at night or watching TV at night or have a nightlight on or have this whole thing of light pollution is really messes with the plants, messes with the animals. That, that's a whole other subject. But low blue light, if you really want to sleep, either you need darkness. Uh, believe it or not, moonlight and, and starlight is a different frequency and doesn't affect your melatonin. But Do you, all uh, these lights, people wonder why they can't sleep. We've got all this light pollution. Do you recommend wearing them during the day or just as the sun goes down? Um, it, uh, I would recommend them wearing them at night. Um, There's probably lots of reasons to wear them, wear them during the day. I just have not, uh, not been there. I have a pair. They're just people out of reach. <laughs> yeah, I, I always forget to put them on. People, some people are more sensitive to it than others, like everything else. Are you ready for the next slide? Yes. Oh. Um, yeah, this was just our little conclusion thing there. Uh, my previous one. So uh, my big question is, you know, why aren't more doctors? You know, certainly a lot of people are throughout the world are I mean, I get feedback from a lot of doctors. Most doctors don't want to, uh, again, go out like this and actually advocate for melatonin because there, um, there's so much negative um, consequences for anybody who's out reaching for any other kind of, I mean, you can, you've seen it from the get-go, whether it's the frontline doctor, whether it's uh, Dr. Corey and the ivermectin, and, and a very strange thing in medicine that not even, uh, uh, only towards COVID, it, it's been throughout time when doctors come out with something that's sort of against the, standard flow of things they're immediately attacked instead of instead of embraced and it's a very strange phenomenon it is it's very bizarre it seems that um even if there's no other solution that if somebody comes forward with this is working for me it's oh that's anecdotal let's get this to be you know go get funding to get your grant to get your 
you know, your research so you can get a peer reviewed thing and then we'll talk to you. And it's like, okay, by then everybody's dead. Can we, like, can we use anecdotal? <laughs> can we move forward? Well, it's, uh, yeah, that's the sad thing. I mean, even in this, okay, take this Iraqi studies and they decreased uh, deaths by 93%. We've had, what, 850,000 maybe deaths from COVID in the U.S. I'm telling how many in the world. Oh, you could have saved ninety-three percent of that, and you only had like fifty thousand deaths. Actually, if you used higher melatonin, ten milligrams, it would have been a lot lower than that. I, I, I cannot tell you the frustration of. I have so many families calling me, saying my spouse, husband, father, wife is in the hospital. They won't give them melatonin, among other things. You know, can you help at all? And I speak to the internal medicine, the endocrinologist, all these people. And it is bizarre. It is. They complain about having to sign so many death certificates. They complain about their patients dying, but they say, I can only do the protocol that the hospital allows. And like, are you the doctor? Yeah. Or are you, anybody can follow a protocol. Why are you even there? Anybody can follow yeah. Yeah. It's like hitting auto autopilot as soon as you take off. Like why it's not working. Do something different. Exactly. You yeah. can't experiment with this. Give them this. Here's all the research and everything else. You've got all these scientists all over the world that are not clinicians that are saying, hey, COVID should work for COVID nineteen. COVID should really work for this. And, and you've got a a lot of Dr. Brown. Another great researcher on, on melatonin. All these guys have written all kinds of articles that say melatonin should work for COVID 19, and yet you've got this reticence in the medical community that won't. I think money, and, and I know this is sad, but you know, when you get $100,000 if somebody passes away with that on their death certificate versus, you know, a couple of dollars to bring them melatonin and some fluids. Yeah, what it is exposing, sadly, is um, the corruption, because you know money is speaking louder than humanity, and you know people with all of the distractions and all of the wanting to be famous on the internet and all of the separation through social media, people have lost touch with one another, and therefore greed overrides their soul to to be loving to humanity because if you're truly human we have a nurse that's going to come on the show she said she laid her body across patients to prevent the doctors from intubating them too soon because she knew that it would kill them so people have they've lost touch with their souls i think and money is the the driving factor in all of this you know read into that what you will conspiracy not conspiracy but it's clearly obvious by now especially when we're speaking to a very highly credentialed doctor like dr neil Who's saying the same thing? And how much, you know. is, say again, how much is greed and how much is sinister? Yeah, there's some of both. Yeah, there is. Um, is can we can we touch on, um, you know, you, you you talked a little bit about making sure you get the right brand, and we talked before about the sublingual aspects of this. Um, can we talk about yeah. that a little bit? Right, so yes, yeah, so. About five years ago, when they did a, a review on melatonin as a, as a supplement, often you'll get reviews on supplements and 
such, they found that three brands of melatonin had no melatonin in them whatsoever. And other brands had really variable amounts of melatonin from one pill to the next, like what was on the label. And that's always a problem when you're looking at supplements. And so uh, I used the, the Natrol brand, which is N-A-T-R-O-L. Uh, luckily, that one's available at Walmart and Costco. Another brand is the uh, Nature Made. That one's been very, very good. I've, I've had, uh, I, I generally tell patients, you start the melatonin. If you're not better in two days, you change bottles, you change brands. You, know, you can try whatever you want. Brand-wise, but if you're not better, right away, something's wrong. So the other more pharmaceutical-grade brands are more like the pure encapsulation. Uh, life extension, uh, anything by Douglas Labs, always sounded good. Those are three that come to mind. Uh, somebody can search out there for the actual uh, paper on the different uh, melatonin brands, really should be. Uh, yeah, and make sure to look at the ingredients. Um, if it's filled with filler, like for, for pure encapsulations, Dr. Neal was talking about, is one of my favorites. It's it's probably one of the most costly, but it is one of the most pure. So you're getting the maximum amount of what you're purchasing in those capsules. Um, and a lot of them are filled with fillers, five, six, seven ingredients. You know, I think, wasn't it you were telling me when we chatted that, you know, melatonin is one of those things that kind of has to have a filler because it's potent at such small doses. You need to put it with something, to, you know, to get it into a capsule to take. But it shouldn't be six, seven ingredients, you know. No, and, and a lot of things even, you know, sold as a sleeping, a lot of them have melatonin plus something else in there. And you got to really watch what else you may have in there with melatonin. You shouldn't be taking a whole lot of that. Right. So always make sure you're getting great melatonin. Yeah. Read your ingredients, do some research, get on the Internet, see what is in the food and the things that you're taking. Spend a few minutes to do that. It's important. So um, <clears throat> if you're in the Texas area, um, you want to share uh, your clinics. I know you're busy, but we need to share the good work you're doing and where you're located for people that are looking for, in my opinion, true doctors that truly want to help people. So my, my, uh, basically, the Casterville, Texas. Of the Little Alsace Urgent Care Center and the Alsace Family Practice Center. Uh, Astorville is known as the Little Alsace of Texas because it was settled by the Alsatians from France back in the 1850s. Uh, I also have a clinic in Uvalde, Texas, called the uh, Alsace Urgent Care. Those can be found on, on the web easy enough. I actually put my well, that first slide is my personal email address, so it's, it's out there now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we probably don't want to put that one up again then. <laughs> it's okay. I get so many emails, half of Texas and half the world. And half the I can world. edit that out, too. It has, has my personal phone number. I don't care. Okay. Don't mind. People can call me up. They can call me anytime. Okay, okay. If you have a question. Uh, I literally, you know, I can't imagine how, how busy I've been during this uh, 
this pandemic. Well, we thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Um, you know, we have a, a, a scarcity of doctors that are willing to actually apply what they know and their instincts to do stuff because they're scared of, you know, social media or the boards or however far it goes because they're doing something outside of what's acknowledged in, you know, mainstream media. There's a problem with medicine in general. There's always been a drive to get doctors to work for other people. The reason I can kind of do what I do is I, I literally work for myself. And there aren't that many independent doctors out there that, like all these doctors I talk to, they're like, they're hamstrung. They can only do what, you know, their superiors let them do. And they say, hey, you follow this protocol or else. And, right. and that's just that. Where does the, the line get drawn? You know, you, you've got entities that are licensing doctors. And now it seems as though they're being nefarious in ways and taking away people's licenses for healing people and sharing things. What? Where does the line get drawn where if doctors wake up and say, you know, because Crash and I have talked about it. I, I wouldn't care if a doctor lost his license because of his him. He, I would still go to that doctor. It's just some entity that created an organization to license you, right, and authorize you. But your knowledge is still your knowledge. So when did it doesn't seem like enough doctors are fighting back? Huh? There are laws against practicing without a license. I, I know, but there's got to be a law, a line to where those laws now are, especially in our constitution, those laws are not laws when it's human rights violations are being- me started on recent constitutional stuff. Why? Don't even get me started on constitutional stuff in the current climate of why the healthcare industry is being targeted. Well, that's what I'm saying, because we can- Even with different states, I'm so glad I'm in Texas at this point. Again, my license would be threatened. Uh, if I didn't meet certain criteria, they're going to take my license. Got nothing right. to do. Nothing right. to do really with medicine. I mean, it, it is really sad. So they, in my opinion, is a criminal organization. Now, they're 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 criminals. Who and who are they to tell you that you can practice or not practice? Really, when you're healing people and then you get penalized for it, when you have absolute results and you get penalized for it, they're then criminals and human rights are being violated. So it's crimes against humanity. And yeah. if, all, if all the doctors band together, then it could end, but there's such a diluted effort, the, the minority, I think. But it just, it frustrates me because I see it. And then I constantly ask myself, well, who are they? What gives them the authority to tell us human beings who God gave our life to what to do it is your it's your duty as a loving human being to love one another you took a hippocratic oath you're in your industry because you want to help people and you're helping people and then who are they to tell you you can't do that you know it's like we have to look at them who are they <laughs> why don't we take their license away <laughs> really truly gotten bizarre right. something that actually I, I wanted to touch more on uh, 
Yeah, early on I said that the melatonin is more effective. We, we're losing you. Sorry, I said early on I, I said melatonin is more effective than hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And if you look at all the studies with ivermectin, I'd say their efficacy is probably somewhere in the high 70s percent uh, wide. I have a lot of patients that come to me after they've taken ivermectin and failed, and then now they want to try the, the melatonin. Uh, but they're getting all the hype. Uh, one thing, if you look at the FLCC website, uh, you'll see they say if you're not better on the ivermectin in two days, just start fluvoxamine. Fluvoxamine is the, an SSRI. It's one of the anti-anxiety depression meds like Prozac or Zoloft or some of the others. And Early on, somebody knows that people on fluvoxamine had much lower incidence of COVID and had much easier courses of COVID if they got it. If you'll do 30 seconds of research on fluvoxamine, you'll find that fluvoxamine raises your natural level of melatonin by two to three times. Hmm. So it's actually all the research they're doing on fluvoxamine out there because it's really research on melatonin. You're proving that melatonin works. <laughs> And so I've actually used fluvoxamine, and it does work really well. If, if I have patients that are scared to take the melatonin for whatever reason or whatever, I will, uh, I will put them on 50 milligrams of fluvoxamine, fluvoxamine twice a day, and they've all done really well when I've done that. It's because it naturally raises their melatonin level. So, um, That's interesting. And is there is it safe? It's as safe as melatonin? No. Now, unfortunately, SSRIs are not as safe as melatonin. A lot more side effects. Uh, you can't take fluvoxamine if you're already on an SSRI. A lot of people. And it's so interesting that patients are more yeah. willing to take right. a pharmaceutical that has more side effects than yeah. to just take melatonin. That's exactly what I was thinking. Another problem with medicine that people are so conditioned that, I mean, I was having, you know, brought up in traditional medicine. Here's the problem, here's the pill. Yeah. Go to the doctor, and they're even to this day, they're upset if you don't give them a prescription. They think you're a lousy doctor. You tell them, "Oh, I want you to take this over-the-counter stuff." They're like, "Hey, yeah, I need some prescription." Yeah, maybe um, you know when my kids were little and they would throw a fit in the car, I'd have a little um, an old prescription bottle, and I'd put the little mini M and M's in it. And I would give them a little M and M and call my happy pills. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe you should, you know, package it differently <laughs> and just say, you know, this is your special yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, the placebo effect works, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, very, very uh, wonderful information. Great information for people. Um, you know, hopefully those who watched it you know, are starting to feel better. A lot of people are still living in tremendous fear. My number one prescription is to turn off the television. I mean, we don't, we haven't watched TV in well over 10 years, but you know, we'll stream a movie or something, but keep the stuff off, you know, don't dive down into all the fear. The bigger the network, the more you need to run. And they're all, they're all in the same boat together. So get your information from, you know, people that are, um, stepping up, you know, the, the ones that are called the conspiracy theorists, which is a, a CIA developed term to get you off the trail of the trail you were 
finding, and that's documented. So um, it's not made up, but it's true. And you know, look for alternative media, alternative things. Do a little bit of a search on Telegram is being touted terribly. All of the people that have been censored for telling the truth moved over to platforms like Telegram and Clout Hub and Gab and other places like that where they're not being censored. Um, they're allowed to speak their First Amendment free speech. They're allowed to share their thoughts on like Dr. Neil helping people. Um, so, you know, if you're watching this and you are still, you know, engaging with big media, I really recommend you just don't at this point, they don't have your best interest at heart. Um, and and they want to have fear. If that's too much of a, a leap for people, because I know that is a leap because, you know, they are sucked into that. Print out the studies that were mentioned. Um, the slides are, you can rewind and look at the slides and find those studies and bring those to your doctor and have a discussion with your doctor about what you're finding. Yeah. Um, do a search yeah. melatonin and COVID 19 or melatonin and viral illnesses. There are a lot of so we're losing your audio again. He's saying there's a lot of studies about, um, you know, what we see as viral illness and taking melatonin to help or prevent. Yeah. I, sorry, I don't speak really loud normally. And so uh, yeah. not being close, it makes a difference. But, uh, uh, yeah, do an internet search on melatonin and viral illnesses. Do an internet search on almost melatonin, almost any subject, but do a search on melatonin and COVID-19 or viral illnesses. You'll find so many studies and so many supporting <coughs> papers. Yeah. yeah. And we'll have, um, we'll put some of the links, we'll get the, the links that were cited onto the description in the Clout Hub. Uh, it's crashing justice on every platform. It's the same. So um, you'll find it there because I know that they will, um, they'll come after us for this one, but it doesn't matter because it's information that even if one person, if it helps one person, that's all we care about, you know? So it's stuff that needed to be talked about. So um, any parting thoughts? Where would you, where, what kind of hope would you like to leave um, our audience besides now you've shared with us the benefits of melatonin and meditation. So get your meditation on people. Yeah. So really the thing is I've said all along, I, you know, COVID's gonna come and go. Melatonin should be used for so many other it, it should be, it is an amazing molecule. It does way more in the body than just aid with sleep and circadian rhythm. And it, um, I would just hope that somewhere this will get enough attention that it'll be used for the many other functions that, it, that it's good for. So, well, we'll make sure we put it on all the other platforms we're on so that this doesn't, the YouTube sensors can't actually censor you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one last question is, uh, no one asked this question today, but they did when, um, we had Amanda on Amanda Vollmer. Um, but it's in a lot of the platforms that I, uh, spent time in, which is still with the, 
the smell and the taste issue. Are you getting that a lot in your practices and, or um, has melatonin helped that or what, what do you think? Any information you can share? Hey, so that's interesting uh, symptom with this the virus. There have been no other viruses that I know of that infect the brain like this virus does. And it does seem to enter through that cribriform plate, which is where you get the taste and smell. Now, different variants of this virus seem to attack that more than others. Initially, when I was treating patients with the melatonin, it seemed like if I treat them with the melatonin, they get their taste and smell back in three or four days. Just, you know, like coming back. Then suddenly by the summertime, it's like now they're losing their taste and smell and it's gone for a month. And nothing seems to be bringing it back, but it is coming back after a month or so. Now it, in the last year, and a, so it's been more, more variable and more people have had kind of long-term issues with their taste and smell. Some people constantly smell cigarette smoke. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just horrible, but usually it will go away. Uh, like I say, I'm obsessed with uh, low-dose melatonin, the uh, uh, and the NAC. Say that again. We, I lost you. The low-dose melatonin, you said something else, and then NAC? The CoQ10. Okay. CoQ10 is actually good. So I have an anecdotal um, story about this, which is very uh, interesting. So my dad has not had a sense of smell my entire life. He got some sort of a sinus infection um, before I was even born, and he lost it. He got something this last month. Um, he kicked it in about a week. He was fine. But <clears throat> he can smell now. You didn't tell me that. It's, he told me yesterday. I was grilling burgers. He's like, that smells amazing. And I looked at him and I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I can smell now. Wow, that's fantastic. That but he's taking all the stuff that I recommended. So he's taking the NAC. He's taking melatonin now. He's taking supplements that he wasn't before. So that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, well, those do do help with with uh, neurological issues. So, what does? It's very interesting. Melatonin, NAC, and Tokyo I mean, they they are showing that they are helping with um, neurological disorders, and so. Uh, and frankincense works good for that too, doesn't it? Isn't frankincense a nerve oil? <laughs> uh, there, there are several. I'm not sure about the frankincense, but there are other things like taurine, uh, like L-theanine, I don't know, they've all got some. Yeah, my, my son had had some brain injuries and the therapist recommended he put frankincense under the opposite nostril from his head injury every day so uh, dr axe has that research he, he used that for his mom's cancer and i think it was brain cancer mm. but I, I don't quote me on that because i'm not sure but i know she had cancer and he used that i know most people who start the melatonin really early do not lose their taste you know, i started melatonin day one when i got COVID. i can say there were probably about two days there where things didn't quite taste right that but I never lost my taste in smell. And uh, that's what I've, again, start early, you have way fewer symptoms, and that's one of them. 
Um, yeah. I, I had one question and I just remembered it. So, um, you know, you said that this works against radiation poisoning. Um, as far as like just radiation exposure, what does that do to your body as far as like symptoms that you would experience that you're trying to counteract with the melatonin? Unfortunately, if you're experiencing symptoms of radiation poisoning, which is usually it wipes out your white blood cells and stuff first, so you, so you, your radiation hurts, uh, just like with radiation for, for cancer, and a lot of the chemotherapy, you're hurting the cells that are dividing the fastest. Same is true with uh, radiation poisoning, where the first kind of thing you're going to notice either really bad GI issues, uh, stomach issues, gastrointestinal issues, and your white blood cells production drops so that you're more prone to infections and stuff. So uh, you're not necessarily, uh, you know, depending on the radiation doses, but just for most mild radiation doses, you're not going to notice anything. And that's a real problem because uh, I can remember some years back, there was a increased incidence of cancer in one of the military establishments and they somehow finally found out that they had some chairs from someplace that actually had radiation. Hmm. Wow. And, uh, and that was given the people expose their cancer. So, so did, you, did you all use melatonin for that radiation when you were in the military? No, that was that was back before all the melatonin stuff. Mm. I know that um, at Camp Lejeune they have a lot of cancer instances, like a lot. Oh, you need to share melatonin with your friends there. Spread the word. <laughs> Another hormone that you need more of as you mature with melatonin. One of the interesting things is I've talked to more and more people about melatonin is how many people actually do take melatonin and how much they take every day that I come across a lot of people that are they have been taking 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, 30 milligrams of melatonin for the last 20 years. And so some people uh, are already out there taking a lot of it before COVID ever came on. Yeah, yeah. And Dr. Uh, Ryder once told me that a, a year ago, uh, at the start of 2021, that a reporter had asked him uh, that there was a 42% increase in sales of melatonin in 2020. And that was the first year. Sales of melatonin got up by 42%. And she was asking him, why were sales of melatonin going up? Obviously, it has been getting out there. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah, how much they were up to. Yeah, and and the um, from my experience, I, I was taking a with another thing that we had talked about, or maybe you talked about it on on your um, presentation that I watched. I can't remember because we spoke for almost an hour, I think. But I was taking a, a supplement where you swallowed, and then Solgar is another really good brand of vitamins. Um, and I bought there and I was taking 20 milligrams in the morning and I was fine function on my day. And then I would take another 20 at night and I bought Solgar liquid and I only took 10 milligrams and I put it under my tongue. You know, five, it, it goes quickly, right? It doesn't stay under your tongue. You swallow it pretty quickly. Well, I sat down in the afternoon to, to do something and I fell asleep. It was a Sunday. 
So it's a big difference if you swallow it versus put it under your tongue. You know, just don't sit still. <laughs> Keep moving. Keep moving and you'll be relaxed. But um, that was interesting to me. So I, you know, it had not affected me in the day as far as sleepiness. Maybe just a little relaxed, but not sleepiness. And I don't know if I would have fallen asleep if I fallen asleep if I didn't sit still. Um, but it's I found a huge difference. It was half the dosage, but because sublingual. Um, well, I can tell you, I've never fallen asleep while I was running, so probably not. <laughs> Keep running. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So, a quick question: I asked folks if they had any parting questions. Uh, we got one here. One quick question, are there any studies showing anti-clotting effects of melatonin if enough melatonin is taken? Is aspirin necessary? Okay. All right, that's a great question. And actually, if you're taking the melatonin early and uh, often, you should not need the aspirin. Melatonin is stopping the, the toxins from that virus, stopping the, the uh, cytokine protein <laughs> to the to the whole clotting problems. So if you if you stop that to begin with, you don't really need the aspirin. It's just that's um, that's just a sort of extra precaution. But but just like in the study where they showed taking the ten milligrams in the hospital, they had fewer patients with clotting and thrombosis and, and all that. And it's because the melatonin should stop what is leading to the clotting. And how long, let's say the average person, like, you know, Crash and I both got sick. I got it back to back. I got it. I was fine. Then I relapsed. Second time I lost my taste and smell. First time I didn't. How, but I still constantly have, you know, a little nasal, you know, drip run. And how long does my question, which I thought the other day was, if you know this, that the, the, the spike protein that they talk about, how long does that stay in your system? That's creating the clotting and the heart issues and things like that. Does that eventually dissipate or is this like? Yeah, it should dissipate like every other virus in the man. It, it should go away. In some ways, this virus is like every other virus out there. And in some ways, it's, it's different and more uh, uh, a lot more morbidity, but um, uh, it, it, your body should clear it all. Normally, your body clears a virus in about seven to ten days, and it should clear this like protein and everything else. It should be mm -hmm. gone, but everybody's different. Some people definitely have the long haulers out there. There's some things that I think go to the origin of this virus and stuff, and if you actually uh, want to look at something interesting, look at the DARPA papers that were released lately uh, from the application for the uh, plans for a virus. Uh, that explains a whole lot. So, um, and what is the summary? I'll definitely get you banned if we talk about that. Uh, <laughs> go, go read them. I'll, I'll repost them. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so in 2018, they're, uh, they applied for funding from DARPA, which is a big research right. agency for, for, for so many things. They are really out there. I mean, I, I used to work in the Force Protection Battle Lab at the Air Force, too, and we're very uh, interactive with, with DARPA. 
but they refused to fund this gain of function research because it was gain of function research. They didn't fund this research. It's gain of function is illegal. And plus, you want us to pay for these Chinese scientists. You know, we're not going to give you money to pay for it. So that's when they did the end around and, and went through EcoHealth Alliance and then funded all this. But in that application, it tells what they were planning on doing. And even, even as information about the, I think it's very, a lot of it's technical, but it's, you read it, it's very, very educational. Mm. Yes, it is. Yeah. It explains a lot. Yep. It's, it's quite a, um, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it's just we need we need to we need to band together and bring human energy back, and we need to be more loving, and we need to have our light and our love rise over this darkness. Um, humanity needs to not separate and fall for this garbage. I mean, literally, we're in Nazi Germany, New York City. Give me your papers before we give you food. This is just it's mind-boggling to me, um, but. That's where I think it's very interesting that Germany is so far gone. Like, didn't yes? I mean, this so it's there. I mean, that's that's where it got so bad, and then they're they're doing it again. And I think the ultimate irony is the needing to show your papers to go into the Holocaust Museum. I just it's mine, but the gaslighting is just beyond compare, and it just breaks my heart. You know, people get so angry at people that don't see this going on and don't see it and then just believe the narrative. And some people just aren't there. They're not awake to it. They're not, intuition doesn't strike them or they don't have any left. And we got to look at those people with love and just not get angry because they're being duped. They trusted, you know, they trusted the doctors. They're trusting the news, which is what we're supposed to do, right? As human beings, we should trust one another. And they're being taken advantage mm-hmm. of terribly by being trusting individuals. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So um, just a- even, go ahead. Even the fact that we have to worry about what we say. Yes. We should not be worrying about what we say on a. On you a, should. Yeah. You a, should be the authority of it. What? Why right. on earth? Right. You know, are we worried about what we're going to say? And I, I saw a really interesting article somewhere just last night or day before and it was a gentleman uh, talking about how his 85 year old parents had both gotten COVID and they both had been you know doubled and tripled uh, uh, vaccinated and and in the horrible time he had with the medical system trying to get them treatment and trying to get them monoclonal antibodies and everything and then at the end of the presentation said uh, that he still blamed the unvaccinated. There must be something in it that is brainwashing people because- uh, Yeah, it's I, called I, CNN. <laughs> <laughs> they're um, it's so they're, and angry and they're angry yeah. about it. So well, a quick cool. summary would be supplement d3 melatonin if nothing else turn off your tv if not forever at least after the sun's going down or wear blue filtering lights or glasses for for the blue light 
and get sunlight whenever you can. Yeah. The other interesting thing is I, I tell people to take Tylenol for the aches, pains, fevers, and to avoid the ibuprofen, Motrin, naproxen. It's early on in Italy, I was getting reports. They said there's something weird about ibuprofen in this virus. And I've had a couple of people who just didn't seem to be getting well as soon as they should have with this. And I'll say, all right, let's go back over everything you're taking here. Invariably, it turned out they were taking naproxen every day or ibuprofen. Every day. Well, then you think the whole military would have died. Cut it out and, and, uh, and just do the, uh, the Tylenol. And so uh, uh, that's with the, only with the COVID. There's something weird about that and some people and the, and the virus. So not everybody in I tell elected, you run high fevers and you need it, use the ibuprofen and the, whatever sparingly, but don't. Don't make that your primary uh, medication for aches, pains, and fevers. Use the Tylenol. Mm. So, interesting. So that's, that's made a difference. That is interesting. And then and another, to detox your liver. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, you mean AC. There was another article I saw just recently. It's all in the news about the increase in, in the death rates of the 18 to 48 or 64 year olds. And I think y'all may have seen that there's uh, one of the CEOs, one of the big insurance companies is saying, they've never seen numbers like this where the death rate's gone up 40% in this age group yeah. in the last year. And, <clears throat> and the only thing could be, what are millions of people getting exposed to that, that's causing this? And so that incredibly concerning. I think that should be on the front page and headlines of everything. Yeah. It only confirms what everybody's been afraid of anyway. But getting back to the same thing, the most bizarre thing is that after he said all this about the increase in death rates and everything, somebody asked him if he was still going to require all his employees to have the have uh, the uh, shot. Well, and, uh, and he said he was. And it's like, oh my gosh. Why? Well, um, no, you know how on earth can you require people to take those experimental? You know, there's a detach. It's 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 amazing to watch. Yeah, to say yeah. that the only environmental difference between 2020 yeah. and 2021, when the statistics went up in 2021, yeah. is that, and well, yet they're saying no, uh, mandate it. The death rate from COVID is could not have made the difference. The death rate from COVID has actually gone down in 2021 compared to exactly. So, so they're saying it, it's not the COVID; it's something else, and it's the shot. Yeah. But uh, and that was something else that as long as we talk about, you know, mRNA technology for vaccines has been around for 30 years. There's a reason that everybody should know. There's a reason there are no other mRNA vaccines on the market, and that's because none of them have ever made it through clinical trials. Anything right. that they've tried to tweak subsequently and such and improve, it's still not there. There's still uh, not enough immunity, too many side effects. Yeah. And there's no way that these vaccines would make it through any kind of normal clinical. Problem. Well, Dr. Malone even said that. He said that, you know, even though he invented or part and co-inventor of this technology, People should not be doing it. And if there's anybody that has the credibility to talk about it, it would be him. Yet he yeah. was censored from Twitter for medical misinformation. 
Now, have you used um, this protocol to help those that are being injured from that? Is that working? Absolutely. In fact, anybody taking these shots should be taking some melatonin when they do, because it'll help protect you against the the vaccines as well as the uh, the illness. I mean, it's some of the same stuff going on there. Everybody should take melatonin before and and after. They're they're taking vaccines. They ought to take melatonin before and after. It'll actually even help with their immunity. It'll help mitigate these side effects from that. It would actually make a huge difference if people would do it. Now, I've always held out. It's not like I'm an anti-vaxxer. They, they just need the right. They had the right vaccine. You know, I've always, I had some hope for Johnson & Johnson, and that turned out to be the, again, they picked the worst protein they could pick. And then, uh, but there is a, a Novavax vaccine that's supposed to be out in February. That I, that's a more traditional vaccine. I've had some hope for that, but I have not been able to research it enough. To, to I mean, at this point, everybody's been exposed. But, so, yeah, I, I actually think, especially at the rate we've seen everybody getting things in the last couple of weeks, it's not hitting herd immunity now. Good peak and gone down. And I expect this is going to be the last peak. There aren't that many people I know out there that haven't had it. Now, and there's going to be people that's had it should not be getting it again. But, yeah, the PCR test was so bad, we really don't know how many people really had COVID the first time or had. Died of a car crash and they PCR tested in the ambulance. But, uh, you know, so things are really confusing. To make things actually even more confusing, there's actually another coronavirus out there. A lot of people that, that's testing positive on the antigen test and the PCR test, that is a coronavirus. But it's not COVID. It's just a coronavirus. Right. Which there are thousands, right? That just confuses everything else. A lot of people, especially when they think they're getting COVID again, are actually getting it. Yeah, just have you have a cold, we're good. <laughs> like every other virus known to man, you get it once, and very few people will actually get it again. You've had billions of people on this planet at COVID, they're not getting it again. Natural immunity is a real thing, it uh, works way better when well, now you we definitely it. are going to lose this one. <laughs> you can't say that. Do you and, ever think that you would not be able to say that in public that natural immunity exists? It, it's that is, that is so bizarre. It should be. Anybody who's had COVID should be able to go about their lives just like but anybody who's had COVID should be able to go about their lives like COVID never existed. Just like you would if you had chicken pox. Do you ever worry about getting chicken pox again the rest of your life? Right. You know, and so I, I'm out there with patients. I had COVID in August. I've been out there with patients every day pretty much since then, and without a mask and without any negative stuff at all. I don't worry about getting COVID again. The odd thing is you will have some people who do get it again. It's just like everybody knows somebody who had chickenpox twice. Some people's immunity, either they don't get the immunity or it's not lasting, but that's a really small percentage. And so uh, for, for the vast majority of the world, uh, you're going to be immune to this forever. Now, that said, you get it when you're a child, you generally have lifelong immunity. The older you get, the less likely you might get you know, lifelong immunity from it. Your immune system is getting less. And like I tell folks, 
when you're a child and you get chicken pox, it's a nuisance. You know, but you're out there playing and whatever. And by the time you're 25 or 35 and you get chicken pox, you're a herding puppy. You're sick. Yeah. And it's harder when you're an adult. And there's this virus in that way is no different. Kids are like, yeah, that's a little virus. Right. And that's okay. been the that's been really hard. I have I'm sure you've heard them in the background. I have I have three young children. And from the very beginning, I was like, okay, if there's something new, you guys need to get it. Mm-hmm. Like we all need to get it. Yeah. And so we've never social distance, put the thing on. You know, I, my kids have just been all over the place. And I'm like, if we need to reach herd immunity, the young, healthy people need to get it especially the children and create that lifelong immunity so that the next generation, everybody will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's mind boggling to say the least. Um, I don't know if you feel it, but I feel like it's definitely a spiritual war on top of it's, it's nothing we've ever witnessed at this global level. I was trying to explain to my kids, you know, they haven't gone through history long enough to really understand. And I'm like, this is, this is not normal. It's definitely yeah. a, a good force against an evil force. And um, those of us that are old and lived through the sixties, a lot of the same playbook was reused. Say again. So for those of us who are old and actually lived through the sixties, you see a lot of the same playbook being used again for the last, uh, you know, now 16, 20 years. Well, I but, mean, saying that it's it's not normal is it's interesting because like my youngest is five so he's his long-term memory developed during this mm-hmm. and his understanding of it is there's you know the mask people and then there's the free people and in his mind and he's not really wrong but he feels like they they live in the mask world you know where they're sucked into mainstream and they believe in the boogeyman and they're scared and you know, they never want to get sick. They never want to catch anything. And, um, you know, and then there's the rational people that he feels like he can talk to. If he can see your face, he feels like he can talk to you and he can trust you. And there's, you know, it's yeah. it's been interesting to watch him develop during all of this. You know, all this time, you're hearing all this mantra, you know, follow the science, follow the science. They're doing anything but following, but following the science. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and we it's okay see- to question the science. You're supposed to. That, that, that is what science is, but you don't question it, find some mythical, not really a real answer, and then follow that off a cliff. That yeah. has never made sense. Right. To and a lot of the people, you know, that I speak to, their narrative comes from they parroting the news, not their own research. Like Crash and I research stuff hard, you know. We monitor our chat. Stuff comes up. I'm like, eh, let me go look that up. I'll ask the person if it, they validated it or they're just sharing it, you know, because we want to know the truth. We don't want to spread misinformation and we don't want people to spread misinformation because there's this big circle of fear and we want to try and pull people away from the fear, right? Knowledge is power. And you can't question science now. Now science is questioning science. And when you do that, you get censored and turned off. There's a lot we don't know, but there actually is still a lot we do know. Yeah. And that's not being followed. No, we can't talk about it. And that's the same. You know, like, sadly, I'll have to take this video down 
because of all of the true information, you as a doctor who have the credentials to share this information and who know it clinically, <laughs> you're missing, you'll be misinformation according to the commies at YouTube. Oh, I didn't say well, that. Well, the Pfizer CEO was considered misinformation because they didn't like what he said. So it. All of it. Right. So it's quite mind boggling to see that people, some at the highest levels of their fields are told they don't know what they're talking about. So we see that. But anyway, we can talk a long, hard time about that. That's for sure. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. I love the uh, I think that is probably the, one of the coolest uh, backgrounds that have um, give us a little story on that. I just have to ask real quick your chair and your wall plates. there. Yeah, I don't think about it. I was in the military for 20 years. Eight of those years I was stationed in Europe. And much of that time I spent, uh, you know, I, I tell people my wife was determined not to leave any antiques in Europe, but, <laughs> but we came on quite a few. This particular piece behind me came from France and chairs. Uh, this uh, piece was built in about 1850. And it's an amazing, uh, shrunk, as you would call it. That's actually only the top of it. The bottom of it was destroyed in a flood, so they sold off the top. Wow. The, the, each of those doors behind me is carved out of one piece of wood. The workmanship wow. is absolutely amazing. So I have some very nice antique. Uh, it looks spectacular. This you look like home. you're sitting on a throne. Yeah. Oh, somebody like, do you have a throne? I'm like, no. <laughs> like a dining room chair. And, uh, it's your melatonin throne. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's beautiful. Very cool. Very interesting. Okay. Well, um, let's see. Comments. That's it. And no more parting questions. We're coming up on two hours. Uh, it was a wonderful chat. Thank you for sharing all, all of your wonderful information. I'll send you the link to where else um, we'll have it posted because I'm going to pull this one down. Um, okay. Well, because we have a lot of information for other people to share and, you know, we don't want to get the channel kicked off, but I want this information. And so luckily Cloud Hub is great. They, you could say whatever you want. They don't care. Um, but um, we've had our live good handful of people watching live that got this information. You can find uh, links to it. That'll be on our um, Telegram channel, which is scrolling across the bottom. And um, get some rest. We, you said you've been quite busy. You've got a lot going on with four clinics and so forth. Thank you for helping people, truly helping them and sharing your information. And okay. um, do their own. Do your own research. There's so much information out there. People, it is there. Yeah. You don't have to take my word for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing. Do your own research and don't take anyone's word for it. Mine crashes, you know, the news, especially they're at the top of the list. They're my bone of contention. <laughs> they hurting people. Like 20 years ago to prepare for this. Oh, we lost you. I said, I, I did my study 20 years ago. And so when this happened, it was kind of a no brainer. So mm -hmm. you know, other people need to they'll look at this. There was less research then. I'll actually look at the research now. I can't believe that there are not more people using the melatonin. Yeah. But there are other doctors, not just me. There are out there. Yeah, yeah. They just don't want to admit. I'm with you. 
are doing that a lot because of the repercussions. Mm -hmm. And that well, right thank there. Thank you so much for being brave and not only helping your patients, but also helping spread the information to other people. That's so important. And I really do appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Yep, we do for sure. And if you have any updates or any new studies or anything cool, reach out and we'll pop back online and share it with the world. There is a standby for news. I really think that there are some more studies that could be out in the news. Great. Wonderful. Awesome. We look forward to it. All well, right. You, you um, have a wonderful week and, uh, Enjoy the rest of the month, hopefully moving into Valentine's Day, the peer, the uh, month of love. We can get a little more love going in the world <laughs> and um, get some rest. Dr. Neal, thank you so much. And, you know, you can find Dr. Neal's studies also online. And there's some videos on YouTube where he's done some um, some forums with other people also. So be sure to do your research and learn what you can. Keep learning. And Thank with you, that, we'll, we'll say further questions. Just y'all call me anytime. Okay. We can talk about. Wonderful. Awesome. All Thank right. you. Okay. Bye now. Bye. Bye.